Welcome in to episode 41 of the Bluest Tape. I'm Harvey Couch alongside Jeff Kolak. And uh, Happy New Year again, everybody. Um, the last time we spoke, it was actually, well, the, the episode was released after New Year's, but we had not flipped the uh, page to the New Year yet. And so, um, Jeff, Happy New Year. Happy um, New Year to you, Harvey. Did you, uh, did you have a good time staying inside watching, uh, I don't even know, who does... I mean, does Anderson? Who does Anderson Cooper talk to now on New Year's? So we, uh, I like watching Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve, uh-huh. hosted by Ryan Seacrest, okay. with a special guest appearance by Jenny McCarthy. Typically, and we usually are in awe of um, how she, this year was interesting because it was so cold outside. So her face moved even less than what it usually does. Um, that's mean. I shouldn't have said that. But anyways. Um, no, we stayed in, ate a bunch of food, put the kids to bed early, had some cocktails, and uh, watch watching those shows is so interesting um, because, well, one, the Mariah Carey thing, which was amazing, asking for hot tea um, in, in the middle of her set, which was which was super entertaining. And then um, afterwards, they always have these live performances, and they go to Las Vegas and New Orleans and L.A., and they show all these bands. And they showed a band called BTS, which is a K-pop boy band, huh. um, which has, I think, somewhere between 19 and 20 members. I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but it seems like there's that many. I think there's seven or eight of them. And they're all very twee, and they all sing with a lot. They sing and dance, and apparently it's a thing. That's um, a thing. It started, you know, and um, they're singing in Korean, near as I can tell. But it, uh, that seemed to, that, that piqued our interest most of all, because if there's just as you get older, you see you see the things that the kids listen to, and you're like, really, this is the, the, the you know this is a thing. So, but then trying to think at least you know when I, f- I still feel like that when we were that age or younger, and our parents looked at our music or MTV and said, really, that's a thing. At least it was like Madonna or Prince, you know, something with some legs, Harvey. Mm, that's all. Yeah. Um. I, do I do I recall correctly? Maybe it was uh, New Year's '99 into 2000 that uh, that on Dick Clark's Rockin' Eve, they went live to Big Cypress for Fish and like maybe also Phillips Arena for Panic. Is that? I, I, I don't know. Somebody help me out here because I do I, like I know I hadn't honestly hadn't even thought about it until you just talked about the fact that they went and showed some you know live concert stuff. But mm-hmm. I feel like that was a thing. And so that must have been 99 because that was Big Cypress, right? It was 99 into yes. 2000, I think. So I yes. think it was that year. And I and I feel like Panic was on there for a song maybe. So hmm. people out there help me out. I need to know if that's a thing. Um, <laughs> so, But you wouldn't have known because you were there and in your, your slippers uh, for the show. That's um, right. Good and uh, so... What did you do? Uh, I was I was obviously watching Dick Clark's Rock and Eve. Um, I don't know. I think I was in New Orleans and maybe went to like a Radiator show that night. No, oh, I good. think that's I think that's my recollection. A little blurry back then, um, <laughs> but a week or two ago, uh, Panic played there uh, three nights at the Fox and um, a cool post midnight. Uh, tribute to uh 
to our mother and daddy and soul savior, Mr. Bruce Hampton, um, kind of going zombie there with, uh, with the three songs out of new year's. That was a, that was a pretty cool, cool, uh, tip of the hat, I think. Yeah, it was. And, uh, I really liked when, uh, I think that Steve Lopez is the guy that comes out and I think came out and did the countdown and trying to get everybody fired up and basically said, if you don't make more noise, we're going to go back to Nashville. Yeah, which I thought was, which I thought was really funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think everybody was happy to have it back at the Fox again this year. And, uh, I, 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 we were at a friend's house and, you know, just kind of sat there and I, you know, was following along on Twitter, but listened to a little bit on the phone and basically frightened is, I think a very appropriate first song for 2018. Um, Yield Not to Temptation was great, but that, that, that second set, Disco, Fishwater, Tie Your Shoes, Sleepy Monkey, Chili Water, doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't really matter who's in the band at that point. Um, that's just good old-fashioned widespread panic and pretty hard not to enjoy it. So uh, it was, for overall, it seemed like a pretty good show. Folks were pleased with the weekend. I think the thing that I was most pleased to see was the surprise $20,000 that folks raised for yeah, Curtis for and Curtis. Panic that was awesome which is super cool. So tip of the cap to all the folks that contributed to that. And congrats to Curtis for receiving that wonderful gift and, and hopefully he'll keep his sight rolling for the foreseeable future. So that, 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 that was a very cool thing to happen this weekend. Yeah, no, I was, uh, there's, there's a cool video watching, uh, watching the Z man make the presentation to Curtis. Uh, nice. and, and Curtis made a nice post about it, uh, today, I think sort of talking about his, uh, um, philosophy behind panic stream and um you know uh, i'm happy to see uh that that the folks got together to help support it because it's it is a uh, it's a resource and you know i'm not you know as close to like as an official archivist <laughs> as, yeah, as right? panic has at this point right so um you know people we both both people we need to have on this show curtis and we should definitely try to get z-man because I just want to know how many, how he can go to as many shows as he does. I've always wanted to ask him that. Yeah. So. Um, all right. So um, our weekly uh, pop culture recommendation, Jeff, you got anything from the last uh, two or three years? <laughs> I'm going to go back 48 years. Okay. Um, did a little record shopping over the holiday, and one of the records I picked up, it's a record called uh, Dancing with Nobody But You, Babe, but by a guy by the name of Clarence Reed. And Clarence Reed is also known as Blowfly. So those of you that have uh, any extra, have an affinity for X-rated party records from the 1970s might know who Blowfly is. He's a, similar to like Rudy Ray Moore and Dolomite and that kind of stuff. So Can I, um, can I just but, interrupt when, you, rec- when sure. you like made all those references of people that I didn't know <laughs> any of them? It, it reminded me of a story, <clears throat> if you'll just indulge me for a second. When I first came to Kentucky and, you know, you'd, you'd sit in the classroom and you'd be waiting for the teacher to come in and I didn't know anybody. And so occasionally I would chat up people around me just to try to, you know, and, and I remember meeting a girl in a classroom who was like, um, and I asked her where she was from and she said, Greenup County, Kentucky. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know where that is. Where is it? And so she like listed off four or five towns that I did, that never <laughs> heard of any of them. She's like, well, it's a little bit close to this and, you know, a little down from there and there and there. I'm like, yeah, no, 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 no. Which direction is it from Lexington, basically? That's what I need. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, that's basically where, you know, get me there from James Brown. 
Oh, okay. Oh, well, anyway, it's a record where he actually sings legitimate songs, a couple of his own writing, but also he does a cover of 25 Miles by Edward Starr, and he does a cover of Poke Salad Annie. That's a great mix of Miami players, Macon, Georgia players, and um, Memphis horn players, too. Our friends, the Memphis Horns, Wayne and Andrew and Floyd Newman are on it. So, um it's a really underrated record, I think. And I think it kind of gets pigeonholed because Clarence Reed, he can't sing Clarence Reed. All he did was a bunch of X-rated party records, mm. but it's a good record. Um, I don't think, I don't know if it's been reissued on CD. You might be able to, it's probably on YouTube. Everything's on YouTube, but you can probably pick up a copy for 15 or 20 bucks on, on, uh, on vinyl. So definitely recommend it. It's a good record. We listen to it while playing, we listen to it as a family while playing Sorry tonight. So that's nice. what, uh, there you go. So that's my recommendation this week. Okay, I'm gonna I'm to pick a record from um, this decade, and uh, it's one that that I've been revisiting um, on a pretty regular basis. Um, it is uh, it's by a guy named Jose Gonzalez, and uh, the album's called Vestiges and Claws. And really, I like all of his stuff is really good, but I like that album a lot. And um, he was in a band called Junip, G J U N I P, and um, he's a he's a Swedish guy um and um i just i really like it's great like i use it at work like it's really like kind of peaceful and um it's just good uh sort of uh indie folk singer songwriter type stuff mellow um so check it out and the junip is really good too it's a little more um you know it's more band oriented as opposed to a, a solo guy but uh i like that stuff a lot too have you listened to him before I have. That's a good record. Yeah. Okay. I recommend that record. Cool. It gets the Jeff seal approval. <laughs> um, all right. So um, this week, seeing as how it is the uh, it's the new year, um, thought we would sort of uh, go down that that road for a theme, um, and so being a new year, we're going to play stuff that is. Uh, new songs as jb likes to say fresh out of the box and um so we're gonna play some debuts of uh of well-known you know um heavy rotation songs and the first times they come around um did you have you had did you have the luck of ever seeing a uh, first time i guess outside of a you know bust out or something but something that that would eventually become a, a regular rotation song well two of them on the show tonight harvey um the last two selections um that you chose so was there for those and uh surprise valley and bears gone fishing oh, yeah. with lyrics at red rocks which we talked about before so you just forget all the things we talked i know about I, yeah i don't have all your shows memorized i'm sorry <laughs> we should uh, here and here in the here in the studio aka my closet i should put up a little chart of all the shows harvey went to all yeah. the shows i went to and mm-hmm. um triangulate um there's probably a few other ones but those are the ones that really that really stand out i yeah. think oh, those are part. that's quite a few i mean i don't uh, know that i have any I, I mean really yeah i'll have to i mean you know like uh shape i'm in but you know i don't know that, that qualifies um yeah i don't know i came really close a few times and i've seen a lot of songs early in their lives um uh-huh. but I don't know. I'll have to. I'll have to go to the. I guess I should have known the answer before I asked that question for myself. Yeah, that would, but. That would have been. That would have made for better radio. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> uh, 
We're learning as we go. Forty weeks, forty-one uh, episodes in. Um, well, do you count a bust out, or do you count? No, I mean, I'm, well, I'm talking about songs that, you know, that they played more than you know a dozen times or something. Well, you were there in you know ninety New Orleans '98 with Red Hot Mama. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I guess I just at yeah, the time, but. yeah, yeah. I mean, Trouble, but I guess I would just sort of not. Yeah. I was not counting um, Halloween. Yeah, Halloween just didn't. Gotcha. Doesn't seem fair to count that, but um, all right. So uh, we're gonna we've got six selections, and um, most of them are are paired up with other songs just because of how they how they were played during the shows. Um, but uh, I guess we'll go in chronological order, and I think we're gonna pair them up so there'll be three segments. Um, do you want to? Uh, you want to intro our first selections, Jeff? I'll let you intro the first selections. Okay. Because um, I think uh, uh, you might have a little bit more to say about them than I do. Okay. Well, it's good that we uh, we cleared this up before we went on the air. <laughs> um, so uh, so our first uh, our first bit will be from uh, February 1992, uh, and is the uh, the debut of Diner. Um, and it's paired with another song. And then after that, we'll go to uh, the fall of 93 and hear the uh, debut of Blackout Blues. So, but uh, first things first, we will head to the post office in Augusta, Georgia, February 7th, 1992. Um, they open with the fish water and then they do this. You want to try a new song? Ha! Oh, my God. 
Thank <laughs> you. 
Panic, uh, two selections, uh, both debuts, February 7th, 1992, Augusta, Georgia, the old post office, the uh, next-to-last show for keyboardist T. Lavitz, uh, Diner, the very first Diner, it makes sense to me, followed up by November 17th, 1993, Santa Fe, New Mexico, Club Luna, and the very first Blackout Blues into Heroes, and then Mr. Soul. So, um... I like to figure out where, I mean, I think the, the diner is so interesting early on. Um, I'd like to figure out, you know, if somebody wants to, to, to do some homework for us, when did they switch the lyrics for diner? You know, I mean, cause mm-hmm. he's talking about like the rocket to the moon. Um, mm-hmm. that seems like a pretty steady 92 thing, but so I don't know if it was like late in 92 or maybe in 93 when he switched it up to more like the lyrics that we hear today. Um, but it's just, you know, it's interesting to hear um, that sort of early era. And then the other thing that stuck out to me, um, like you had mentioned, this is one of, this is the second to last show for uh, for T. Lavitz. And um, my recollection of when I listened to this, that he was almost like n- not even there for Diner. I mean, I'm sure he was playing some stuff. But then it was like they drop in to make sense to me. It's like all of a sudden it's like T. Lavitt's show. Um, <laughs> like he, is, he loves him some make sense to me. And um, 
So, well, you know, T, you're not going to be with us much longer, so there's no sense of you and learning this new stuff. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and also, like, the diner is, like, sub six minutes, you know, which is mm-hmm. kind of crazy uh, to think about. But um, and they also, they debuted a bunch of stuff. This was the first uh, first Better Off, first Diner, and first Wondering, all three uh, at this one show. So um, sort of a, a crossroads of the band moving from 91, um, you know, with T. Lavitz and then where JoJo joins the band uh, just about a month after this. And uh, and they really start uh, debuting the what was to become, you know, the Everyday album. So the transition from, from Mom's Kitchen to Everyday. And you're, you're right, kind of smack in the middle of it here. Yeah, and this is, this is, this is good. I really liked the second piece that you chose, um, the 93 piece with the first blackout. Um, and I, I mean, I'll kind of preface what I was going to say about one of our later selections, the first Greta from 96, is I didn't expect first time plates for JoJo songs to be as good as these are. Right, sure. I guess I, guess I had pretty <laughs> low expectations. <laughs> Because it's like, oh god, a first, first, uh, you know, right? Debut some, but in some ways, they're almost better because they had like practiced and like you know knew what yeah. the words were or something, you know, much more deliberate, right? You know, you know, I think especially the Greta, which we'll talk about, but even this one too, it's very deliberate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think you said in your, you sent me a note earlier. It's something like, and he knows all the words, <laughs> um, but it's really pretty good. And I think the this actually this whole piece is good. They. Um, one of the things that I think is really cool about this is, and I don't want to steal a comment that you made, but I totally agree with you. So I'll give you, you know, 75% credit for it. Um, the transition into heroes is really good. Mm-hmm. And I think how, to me, it's almost how rare is it that when they do, when they debut a song, it actually flows into something else as opposed to just this isolated thing. Like, Oh my God, we're going to play this for the first time. You know, let's take, a minute before it and a minute at let's take a minute before it and figure out what we're going to do. And then let's stop. Let's do a hard stop because we don't know what we're doing and that kind of thing. Right. This one's really good. Yeah. Um, well, you definitely see in all of these selections and I, and I noticed it as I was going through them that like they never went into a new song. Like it was clearly always, okay, let's get it, you know, let's regroup here. <laughs> How does this start? You know what I mean? Make sure we yeah. get everything right. And so these are all clean starts, but, um, but yeah, definitely a few of them, kind of transition out and and this one i think is probably the best of this episode that we'll play and um like a kind of a slower heroes beginning and also yeah. kind of that slower older blackout intro um more reminiscent of like the album version you know where it's mm-hmm. uh the guitar intro and then the slide before even the piano hits and i really like that i don't know if maybe it's just because it's different and you know we always just had the the piano intro live um but I really dig the, the the sort of alternate intro for Blackout. Oh, excuse me. Uh, yes. Was, sorry, I was yawning. Jeez, um, I didn't think it was yeah. that interesting. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I think it, <laughs> that's the fun thing about hearing early versions of a lot of these songs is where it just, um, you know, you see the, we've talked about this lots of times, you see the progression, but also it's just fun to see how they start and kind of these interesting little things so. it's crazy to it's crazy to think that you know like we were the thing the, the first part um you know from february 92 uh so jojo joins the band in march of 92 and that this show in november 17 of 93 is really like the first jojo song 
you know, that it would take a year, almost two years before, um, you know, Jojo would get his own song. Right. I mean, that's the first yeah. one, right? I'm not, I'm not forgetting anything. Well, they, play one, they, they didn't play one by one or anything like that. Nope. Um, I mean, I guess you could, you could maybe consider like early or Junko or something like that, a, a Jojo vehicle, but obviously he's not singing. Um, sure. So yeah, just for, for somebody who would end up being, you know, really probably the second, you know, most common singer on stage, um, that it took him that long to, to kind of get going. Yeah, he doesn't have a doesn't have a album track until '94, mm-hmm. until a, a Life Grand, which obviously Blackout's on. So, right. um, yeah, it took a while. You know, maybe maybe they were uh, afraid it wasn't going to take. Sure. So. <laughs> uh, so, so that was what you, you know, the the Blackout Heroes, Mister Soul, the end of the second set um, of a really good show from start to finish. This this uh, Santa Fe show, I remember having it on uh, on old analog cassette. And uh, there's uh, there's some cool stuff before this segment in the second set, a Hatfield Heaven and a Junior Worry that are both really good. So check those out if you get some time. Uh, well, our second selections um, are from 1995 and 1996, and the first one is from Irena shows at the start of at the start of 1995. Uh, the Six six shows in a row that they did in the Midwest, um, starting on March 21st in Crawfordsville, Indiana, at Wabash College, and ending at Miami University on March 26th. Um, this first segment is from the the second show of this run um, from the State Theater in Kalamazoo, and it's the very first Gradle. So we'll play that, and we'll talk about it when we come back. And then the second one is from another college show from one of our favorite tours, Spring of '96. Uh, March 30th in 1996 down at Elon, North Carolina, and we talked about it before the very first Greta. There's a new little ditty. She spends all her time thinking Every other thing is beautiful when she's free Enough to let us on for life. 
You heard two segments there. The first from the State Theater in Kalamazoo, Michigan. That was uh, Gradle and Traveling Light. And then um, March 30th, 1996 from Elon, North Carolina. Uh, Greta into Genesis. Um, we were talking about this uh, this run from the start of Spring 95. Um, and so again, I haven't quite figured out where my... like starting point of modern panic is it like it's it's either this the beginning of this tour or i could maybe make the i could maybe be convinced that like um late fall 94 you know like that colorado run into new year's um that maybe that was the, the the start of the modern era, but if not, I think you could definitely make an argument that the starting in spring '95 with this run through the Midwest, through these college towns, where um, where they debut, um, you know, Sleeping Man, Gradle, One by One, Radio Child, uh, and then uh, Smoke and Burn a couple days later. All of those just in that quick run, um, just sort of a a, a prolific. Um, stretch of uh songwriting and um but as far as like the actual playing goes i was kind of surprised i was maybe expecting um a little something different with the gradle but like it really seemed pretty straightforward pretty much you know that it it, it hasn't changed a whole lot since then that it came out pretty fully formed uh when it was first played yeah i mean it's pretty <clears throat> of all of the ones that they I guess debuted here. It's probably the most straightforward A to B song, probably. Um, and I think it's just a great. Is I mean, could we make the argument that a gradle is a gradle is a gradle? Yeah, I, I mean, I think ex- the, my only exception would be you know uh, maybe an engage J en- engage JB and and, co- and like an encore spot with an engaged, preferably inebriated JB. So those are. <laughs> a little a little more fun but standard you know i mean they're not gonna yeah. they're not gonna do anything experimental with it um but yeah i think this is a pretty good version of it and you know the thing that we'll do a whole episode i think about these six shows because um, they're all really great and the shows that come after it too the the um, poughkeepsie uh, somerville and university of maine shows are all th- those three are great too um, and actually there's several after that too. Um, but I always liked how you have these moments of sort of that take you back and the, the, the opener for these first, this first round of shows was Jacko Pierce. And, uh, we were talking about, have you been to the vineyard, but there's a girl over there. She's got mahogany hair and her eyes of sweet amethyst. How bow as she curtsies doesn't look like she's gonna hurt me So I decide to add her to my list And she said, and she said, yeah, yeah. Won't you stay on the vineyard for the summer? Won't you stay on the vineyard for the year? We'll find a little house down there in Oak Bluffs And our children is all that we hear <laughs> we were talking about uh, Dave Matthews' band before we came on the air today, and uh, how that was sort of uh, in our in our day. 
how that was sort of required for a gentleman of our of our age and our musical taste to have some Dave Matthews at our in our disposal <laughs> um, for various circumstances. But I had a whole offshoot of friends who happened to be girls that were from Milwaukee that were into Dave Matthews, and that's how I kind of became friends with them. But they were obsessed with Jacko Pierce. Oh, the girls love them some Jacko Pierce, man. Um, and that's all, all I heard about was Jacko Pierce. And I think maybe even one of my, uh, two of my friends that were, had shared a dorm room together had like, they might have even had a Jacko Pierce poster. I don't know. I, say, I, I thought for thing. sure you were going to say Jacko Pierce tattoo. And I was like, whoa. That seems seems very aggressive, but you know. this is, that was 1996, 97. You know, mm-hmm. the kids just didn't get tattoos back then. Um, but it, uh, you know, that again, that was just a band that just sort of, you know, passing, just sort of passed through. But uh, I had to. I remember having to listen, being being forced to listen to Jacko Pierce, and I think you'll really like this. And I, I did. So, um, but yeah, I always, you know, these these shows. You know, aside from the music, I stood out because of who the opener was. Um, so that was uh, that was spring '95 where we saw the Gradle, and then uh, a year later, in the spring of '96, we see the debut of another JoJo song, and that is uh, Greta from this show in, in Elon, North Carolina. Yeah, this is a great version of this song. Actually, um, it's a little slower, and they're figuring it out. But all the element, all the all the components of the song are there, right? I mean the the uh obviously the lyrics are there but it's a, it's a little bit more deliberate but the you know it still comes in at eight and a half minutes long um you're talking about how short the the first diner was i mean greta the first greta is eight and a half and that's pretty close you know a shorter version of greta now sometimes it stretches out far beyond that as we all know but um all the parts are there you know the the, the jam in the middle and then coming back and then even there's a nice little outro jam that eventually heads into Genesis um, that slows down and looks like they're going to kind of slowly go into Genesis and they bring it back up and it's really a nice, it's a nice version of the song uh, especially for a first time play Yeah, no, and, and I, I saw this song um, I guess about three weeks after this at, uh, at that 420 Buckhannon show and um, I really like, I mean I'm almost partial to this it's a little more kind of like roadhousey you know mm-hmm. um and it just a little it's got a little more of a kind of funky groove that uh as opposed to more later on it's, it's a little more high energy um especially when jj starts bringing in the the clavinet intro which you know those is all good in their own their own place but i do like these early these early gretas and um yeah, definitely still kind of figuring the words out and stuff, but um, but I like the vibe. So um, mm-hmm. and a really good Genesis after this yeah. um, that I was happy to to have included um, in this portion. This is a good little, you know, spring '96 sleeper show. I think it's it's not one of the ones that I would probably point to right off the bat, but it's it's good. I mean, as we all know, most of those shows are really really good, and this is another good one. There's no, there's no real slouches that whole tour. So. Nope. Um, okay. So anything else? No. All right. Nope. Um, okay. We've got two more selections and I guess these are two that you have been to because yeah. if any show happened within a three state area <laughs> in 97, 98, you were there. Um, With rare exception. Right. Yes. So, uh, so the first, the first um, selection 
Well, I'll let you since you know uh, since you know these better. Why don't you do a little intro? Yeah, so we'll do um, starting off with the very first. You'll be fine from uh, September fifteenth, nineteen ninety-seven, um, Iowa State at Ames and Ames, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that when we come back. And then the next one will be the very first Blue Indian from October sixth, nineteen ninety-eight.
All right, you heard uh, two segments. First from September 15th, 1997 at the um, campus of Iowa State uh, in Ames, Iowa. You heard You'll Be Fine the very first time. And then uh, 1998, October 6th from the Barrymore in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, Blue Indian and Way to the World. That is the very first Blue Indian. So, Jeff, you were at both of these shows and you just informed me that we've already played stuff from both of these shows. <laughs> I know we did the September 97 run. What was the occasion for the, the Barrymore 98? Do you remember? We did, we did the fall 98 run, uh, you know, the first five shows of that tour. Oh, uh, right. Too. Yes. Yeah. I know clearly they, they left an indelible mark on you. On you. Yes. I mean, and you too, apparently our, 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 our episodes did. <laughs> Um, so anyway, so we've talked about the 97 show and, you know, I don't go on about how much I love this show, but, um, and we talked about, you'll be fine before too, but I will say that I was scribbling down where these debuts that we've played this week, where they came in, in the sets where Mm -hmm. they were, Mm -hmm. you know, like the diner was the second song out, um, it was a single set show. Um, blackout was at the end of a second set of a two set show. Um, Gradle third song out of a first set. Um, Greta sort of mid second set, mid to late second set um, in the spring 96. And then You'll Be Fine slots in as the seventh song of the first set. And it's a perfect, I mean, it's like that they, they've they relegated that song to its regular time slot. <laughs> From the get-go. Yeah. From the get-go. Like, fine, we'll do this, but this is pretty much where it's going to be. And it, you know, it probably, it jumped around a little bit and, you know, was in you know various parts, but it was never going to be an opener. It was never going to be a closer. It was sort of just destined to kind of be where it was. Um, and it's, and it's kind of rare. Maybe that songs don't jump around mm-hmm. as much as, 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 you know, some of these other ones have. Um, it's now, I wouldn't call it the utility player, but the first, you know, first five times they played it, it was always in the first set. Seventh song, sixth song, fourth song, seventh song, fourth song. And it's been in the second set a few times. Um, encore a couple times. And uh, f- what, three times in 2000, once in 2001. Um, but mostly just kind of a mid-first set player. And it's honestly, it's the perfect place for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And again, it was just sort of... What I like about both of these is, you know, the, the tapes from the AIM show are so good and the Madison ones are pretty good too, is the how quiet everything is when these songs start. And it's sort of, I mean, again, everybody's sort of waiting for the song to start, but then it's so quiet when the music starts because everybody's trying to figure out what the right. hell it is. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like close listening. I mean, that's when, you, when you're at a show or you're lucky enough to get a debut, like the first few notes of the song, you're just, you're, you're straining your ears. Like, what is this? I haven't heard this before. There must be a different As intro a, to some song, right? Yeah, so. exactly. Um, and then the blue Indian into way to the world from, from the sixth, again, blue Indian, it's the fourth song out of the night. And it just kind of, I mean, that song obviously has, has jumped around quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, in, in, in sets. But, um, again, it's just sort of knowing where to put new material on a given night, um, they played this one, followed up with the way to the world and then followed up by a pretty nice, um, big woolly mammoth. And then, uh, um, legged. And then the next night of course is when they debuted, uh, the waker for the first time, which ended as a set closer. Um, no, that's, pretty nice. yeah, that's sort of an odd placement. 
It is. It is. Um, so, and that one, again, sort of jumped around a little bit, but for the most part, looking, it was the it, it set closer, first set of 1230.98. So, it was set closer, but a f- couple of times after that, but definitely not widespread use after that. So, uh, anyways, but overall, another two good examples cool. of debuts. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, thought we would just, you know, being the, being the first of the year, we would start talking about some firsts and, uh, I I I think we should revisit this, this theme again. I think it's cool. I tried to kind of mix up the, uh, the, the eras because it does seem like these, these debuts kind of come in spurts, you know, that you'll get, uh, three or four debuts over, you know, 10 or 12 shows and, um, so I tried to pick them from, from different eras of the band. And um, so, yeah, I think we should do that again sometime. Um, I agree. All right. Well, um, we are, as we record this, we know the uh, participants in the college football championship game. As this episode will be released, everyone listening will know the result of that game. We obviously do not. Um, we were both one and we, we, we picked opposite for both the semifinals and we each got one right and one wrong. Um, and, uh, so I figured we might as well, you know, pick this game between the two SEC, uh, Titans. Um, how did you get to watch these games? I mean, that, that Georgia, uh, Oklahoma game was just so entertaining. Um, it seems like they always get those at the Rose Bowl. It reminded me a lot of that Texas USC game yeah. um, from way back, but just sort of back and forth and just so much emotion. Um, I, it was, yeah, I mean, I was, I was rooting for Georgia. My sister went to Georgia. I have lots of friends that like Georgia. Um, SEC guy, but, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't like, and a, you're a panic guy, Harvey. You're a panic guy. So oh, gotta... so therefore I have to like Georgia. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, but I didn't have like a, you know, it wasn't emotionally invested or anything, but uh, I couldn't imagine watching that game if I was like living and dying with every play. I would have just been a basket case. It would have been like watching the, uh, watching game seven of the World Series with the Cubs and the Indians a couple of years ago. <laughs> it, um, I believe when the, either it was, t- I think when it, the regulation ended, I looked at my wife and I said, how can anybody want to watch pro football over this? Mm-hmm. It's just, it, you know, I, there's a thing that came out today, the NFL ratings are down almost 10% this season. And you can, you know, that's for any number of reasons to me though, the main, the crux of it is the product isn't any good. College football's product is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, every week, with the exception of the week before rivalry Saturday, the week of Thanksgiving, when sec teams play, you know, little sisters of the poor, um, Every week, and there's a game. Maybe not, certainly not with the, uh, those stakes, but exciting, exciting game. And that game was just phenomenal. I want. I mean, I wanted Georgia to win. I think it was. Uh, it was. Ex- it was fun to watch how or to see how it's going to play out. To see if Oklahoma was ever going to be able to stop Georgia. Was ever going to be able to stop the run? 
Uh, again, Georgia had tr- trouble stopping Baker there for a while, and then Baker made a really, really bad mistake of throwing that interception. And then, but Oklahoma got him back. The defense got it back, and you know, got it. Into, they got him into overtime, and it was a good game. I mean, it just was. A, it was a classic in every stretch. And then the o- Alabama that everybody feared would would dominate the world this season finally showed up, and they did exactly as advertised. I I. I was wrong. <laughs> the real mm-hmm. Alabama showed up and made made Clemson pay for pay for even yeah. bothering to in, inhabit their their, their 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 field that night. Yeah. I mean, just a thorough beating. Well, I am going to. Um, I'll make my pick first. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the same theory that I used last week, which is I'm gonna pick the school who is closer to the venue at which the game is played. And so um, I'm going to pick the, the Bulldogs. Just uh, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be an entertaining game, but I think they've just, they have a few more weapons offensively. And um, while Alabama's defense is quite stout, um, I, I just think they've got, it's just hard to, to stop all those guys. And um, so yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe in the twenty-seven, twenty-one area. Mm-hmm. So that's, I'm picking the dogs. Uh, I will want Georgia to win. I will be cheering for Georgia to win. Um, but it's really hard to pick against Alabama after what we saw the other night. And I think um, Alabama's the team. It's sort of like watching the Patriots in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It's just. You, it's just you. You just wait for it, and of course the game, the Clemson game, it was Bryant throwing the interception to that Payne guy, and then of course Payne scoring the touchdown, which yeah. is just sort of like you know he stuck you at the knife, and then he took it out, and then he stuck you again, and then twisted it. You know, it's like God, that's just so ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it'll be close, and it's going to come down. It's going to come down to a defense having to make a play, and it's going that's going to be Alabama. So I'm going to go. 21 I'm just, I'll just I'll be 2117 Alabama Is there a guy that that whose only job is to walk behind Nick Saban with a cup of Gatorade on the sideline <laughs> the entire game like I've no, I've like seen him like a couple times and I'm like maybe he just comes up every once in a while or maybe he was doing something else but if anybody is out there that's like a Crimson Tide fan or something can tell me like is that a real thing that the guys just like that's his his you know, his job the entire game is just to walk behind Nick Saban whenever he needs a drink, drink of the Gatorade. It might be. I mean, I know Clemson's got a guy that hold that whose job is to like grab onto the Clemson defensive coordinator so he doesn't run onto the field. <laughs> like holds him by his belt and pulls him by the shirt or whatever. So you never know. Funny. You never know. Um All right. Well anyway. Yeah. Well, um thanks for uh for letting us talk uh, a little bit of sports there. Um, it's always, always a fun, uh, fun thing to keep our mind off of, uh, you know, what's really happening in the world, <laughs> in the world. Um, so, uh, I hope everybody has a wonderful new year. Um, you know, we plan on being around, uh, for the rest of this year and, and maybe, maybe more, um, tell your friends about it. Uh, I've engaged with some folks on, on Twitter and Facebook and it's been great to, to hear from people and um, you know we appreciate that and 
yeah so like us on facebook follow us on twitter or uh, the website's bluestape.com um feel free to donate if you want to help support uh support us we don't need all the money that curtis does he has obviously way more expenses but you know we have some to to host the podcast and stuff so uh if you if you have any leftover um in your stocking from christmas we'll we'll take a little bit of that and um yeah so we'll be back uh next week with another episode um jeff any final thoughts no just again happy new year to everybody and uh thank you all for continuing to listen and and following us on the social media so we'll uh we'll take you out with uh with genesis which is uh we played the panic version from 1996 and we'll play the uh the hot tuna original Yeah.